0: i'm john and today we're going to be talking about the quentin tarantino grindhouse film of
1: death proof yes we were gonna do planet terror but it sucked so we decided to skip it <laughs> <laughs> no that uh, movie's okay but uh, I, I i'm i'm a, I'm a death proof man
0: uh it, i'm a death proof man right? baby <laughs> Um, so, uh, just to go ahead and tell you, like, a quick summary of what this movie is about. It's two separate sets of vol- vol- voluptuous women are stalked <laughs> at different times by a sca- uh, scarred stuntman who uses his death-proof cars to execute his murderous plans, are... You know, in my summary it is uh, a straight edge guy goes ham on
1: some horrible drunk girls. Um, <laughs> it, 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 you could you could probably improve that by say that maybe he was like an incel. You know? it's like, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> straight edge incel.
0: Straight edge incel, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah there's um, some
1: incel energy in this movie. There is a
0: lot of incel energy. Yeah. So um, and i have Uh, an interesting theory about him uh stuntman mike stuntman mike uh this uh i don't know what the budget of this movie was because it was made by like a grindhouse production but it made like 31 million dollars so it was probably made by like 10 million dollars probably something like that yeah um because you can tell it was pretty low production movie.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, um, at death proof. Yeah, excuse me, a death proof. The um, probably the most money is really spent on what the cars and probably just the action scenes.
0: Probably Kurt Russell. The most money. I My mean, Probably Russell. spent on Kurt Russell. Right.
1: Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> like some of the other actresses, like I mean well i mean zoe was really just a stunt woman she really wasn't like a main on-camera actress by this point uh, which is kind of why i think quentin wanted to use her was to give her like an actual starring role or a main role um so i guess who's probably the most famous one out of this group it'd be rosario at this well point. not at this
0: point no nah. nah. i don't even think she would be the most famous i mean she did this was uh this was oh seven right she was famous ish like she was known
1: yeah, but I mean, uh, amongst all the other girls, though, she probably would be the most famous.
0: Yeah, I guess. I mean, Mary
1: Elizabeth Winstead—like, what was she doing before this? It wasn't.
0: It wasn't really until Scott Pilgrim versus the World where she got really kind of big, right? And I think that was. This is off the top of my head because this doesn't have anything to do with this episode. I think that's two thousand and nine. Um, Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, it's like oh nine
1: or ten or something.
0: Yeah, like so that I, I believe. I believe i'm right but i'm not gonna look it up um i think scott pilgrim versus the world's 09 because that's when like arrested development stuff was about to st- like kind of starting and that's michael Sarah's like fame years so yeah and juno was
1: oh8 oh i think
0: yes it was like the year before so this yeah. all michael Sarah like you know
1: juno's a good movie check that out just randomly uh
0: <laughs> Yeah, Ellen Page and yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Michael Cera. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so so this, this movie uh, was, uh, it got confused because people thought that Quentin Tarantino was calling it like a bad movie. But what he was saying like afterwards, he said it was his worst movie. But <laughs> what he was saying was all of his other movies compared to this one. You know he was going you know, all the movies that he won awards for, right? Compared to Death Proof, which was just a grindhouse movie, yeah. But he was saying it's still a good movie,
1: but uh, compared to you know Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs, yeah. <laughs> you know, and like that type of stuff. Yeah, and, I mean, and that's the thing is that like this is sort of like a pet project with like Rodriguez doing uh, Robert Rodriguez doing Planet Terror which uh is that supposed to so if it's meant to be like a double feature is planet terror supposed to be shown first in the theater and then you watch death proof or is it back or do i have that backwards
0: yeah i think it's backwards i think death proof starts the show okay and then
1: planet terror is like planet
0: terror goes second
1: okay because they intended this to be kind of like a double feature at a theater yeah, it's like a kind of harkening back to the old double featured days. But what ends up
0: happening in this film is Death Proof happens, and then you see Planet Terror, which you know you get to see Rose McGowan with a machine gun leg and stuff like that. But really, that movie is kind of forgettable, um, because. I cannot
1: remember a single scene out of that movie right now. Just off the top of my head. It's been a while since I've watched since I've watched Planet Terror. Yeah. I remember the
0: I'm going to get my dick wet scene with Tarantino. Right. And then he gets killed. That's it.
1: Yeah. I really the main thing I remember is the the machine gun like Yeah, that's the I'm going like to my the, dick wet scene. Right. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's and not to say that Planet Terror is bad. Like, it's not bad. It's just... It's not a movie that I would go back to and watch, like, you know, multiple times. Like, you know, go back to watch it again after, having, after not watching it for, like, a few years. Now, if you said, like, um, you know, something like Once Upon a Time in Mexico, another Robert, Robert Rodriguez movie, that movie is fucking amazing.
0: Well, in the context so, of this grindhouse, you have Quentin Tarantino's, like, well, I'm going to have, like, this serial killer dude... It's kind, know, it's kind of a slasher, flick vibe. You know these different sets of women, and then uh, you know this happens and this happens. And you have Robert Rodriguez, who's like, "How about zombies and a chick with a machine gun leg?" And then you know, you know, fucking blood and guts and shit. Right. And it's like, okay, these are two very different movies. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like this. Like one. One person's like, "Yeah, this is kind of like grounded in reality." Your crazy stunt man, which, you know, I have an opinion on that. Maybe let. Actually, let's go ahead and get into it.
1: So well, you can you can do that, and then we can get into the first uh, point. Yeah. So. Oh, actually, should we do beer first? Yeah. Go ahead and do. It okay. Right. Before you get into your theory, just hang on to that 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 thought for a second. Yeah. Uh, so this is uh, the beer we're drinking today is Ghost Train Brewing Company, uh, from Birmingham, Alabama. Bham. Uh, and uh this is uh it's 99 calories uh it kind of it's um it's a very it it, i don't know like i would give it sort of a somewhat corona vibe maybe a land shark lager a little bit it's got kind of that sort of vibe like you could probably throw like you know like a lime in this and you would probably not even know that it wasn't a corona
0: like, yeah, it's very good.
1: Although it comes in cans instead of bottles. But you, you get the idea. Um, but, yeah, it's actually it's a very smooth beer. Like It's I, very
0: the, smooth. I'm going to give it a, a 2.5 out of 3, actually. Yeah, I would probably give it a
1: 2.5. It probably wouldn't be something I would go back, like, it's so delicious I have to buy it again. But if I was, like, in the mood for, like, a slightly more upscale craft beer instead of just the regular beer, you know, like a Bud or Bud Light or something like that... I want a little bit more upscale beer this this is just a little bit smoother than some of those yeah good job it's nice uh, ghost train brewing company it's ghost a pretty train. cool name yeah okay Since so there's a lot of death in this movie ghost train kind of makes sense yeah choo- choo- okay
0: choo- so oh, uh train?
1: so stuntman mike what's your theory stuntman mike uh
0: my theory is he is the good guy of this film
1: <laughs>
0: okay And here's why the first group of women that you go into uh, all those women are horrible people and it makes it very obvious why they are especially like jungle Julia you know she just doesn't really care about anyone really and all those people except the butterfly character uh, seems like really horrible people and also they're drinking and driving and they're just trying to do drugs and have sex and just kind of score. So it's kind of like a horror movie slasher scenario. Yeah, because that's... Where Kurt Russell is the Jason Voorhees, the wrongfully person, the, the neglected person. So they're justified. And what I say about the film theory, he's half a good guy. The first half in the, the realm of horror... He's justified with the characters that are in the film. In the first half. In the first half. That's
1: and what, like, Jungle Julia and her friends.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because they 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 are they can't really be considered, like, 100% good people. Because, uh, you know, they are drinking and driving. They are using people for, for stuff. I mean, they make it blatantly obvious through the dialogue, which... It's one of my favorite halves of the movie, by the way, the first half. The dialogue part and the, you know, knowing those first group of girls and stuff is almost more exciting than the end half of the movie to me. Um, I'm kind of like opposite. I like the
1: interaction of the second set of girls better,
0: to me. Because, I I don't know, they don't get much screen time in the second half to me. I think the, the character development happens in the first half,
1: and then the second half is just vengeance basically um, yeah but it's it, but that's just the thing it's like everybody's going to have like their different sort of opinions yeah. on the sets of girls but
0: well I, I the, the sets of girls you know rosario dawson obviously is going to be like a favorite and then you know um, mary elizabeth weinstead is also um yeah you know, and how like, could you not like Zoe? Like she's badass. <laughs> yeah, she's she's definitely pretty cool.
1: But also, like it didn't dawn on me until I was going back to to watch this again last night, and I was like, because uh, I saw the name Poitier, and I'm like, wait, is that like Sydney Poitier's daughter? And I'm like, oh fuck, that actually is his daughter. I didn't realize that. Like, but at all. even
0: but even the second group of girls that get their revenge on them, the only one. That actually deserved it was rosario dawson's character the other two well actually not even her they were willing to leave their friend with a creep to be raped just to drive a car in all fairness if they would have died at the end of the movie it would have been justified because they're not good people either because they left their asleep friend actress alone with a dude that seemed very interesting and in raping her. And then you don't get to see the result of that.
1: For all we know, that dude raped and killed that girl. You think, you think Quentin didn't show that on purpose? Kind of like, well, we're going to leave that ambiguous as to what he does yeah. with her? So, like I was saying, these girls aren't
0: really good because they're willing to trade their friend's life just to have a joyride in a car. Now, so,
1: okay, so before we get, like, super deep into the Stuntman Mike stuff, because I have, like, an entire thing about that. How do you – so how do you justify the blonde-headed girl that he he killed that was in the car with him, the girl that was, like – just wanted the ride? She seemed like she hadn't done anything bad, or at least Oh, I'm not saying egregious. he's a good guy. Oh, he's definitely not a good guy. I'm not guy. saying
0: he's a good guy. I'm saying he's a good guy – uh, compared to if you're, if you're picking, if you're writing a story and you're trying to say who's, you know, the antagonist and who's the protagonist, he would definitely be the good guy and the scenarios that you're writing down on paper. If you're right. a writer, it's like, this girl is horrible. This girl's horrible. This girl's horrible. This girl's, you know, okay. Okay. They're all in a car together. He decides they need to die. Alright, you're just kind of like, okay, that's a messed up way to kill them. But, they were drinking and driving, they do use people, they do, you know, do this and that and that. So, you know, you have bad things and stuff like that.
1: But he takes it to, like, the the extreme. Obviously the extreme. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, All these things
0: are going to the extreme. The second scenario is he messes with the wrong group of girls, but they're still not good people either because like I said, their thing is they were willing to leave their friend there to possibly get raped or murdered. Like what if they would have came back after they would have killed Kurt Russell and you would have seen her dead. Would you have been like, yeah, you guys did the right thing. You guys killed Kurt Russell and got to drive in the car, but your friend got raped and murdered
1: with that weird, creepy guy. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh oh man, see that's, Quentin, maybe if he released maybe like, maybe like a slight extended cut that had maybe a few extra scenes, that would have been fucked up if like they would have came back and she would have been like dismembered or something. Yeah. And it's like, what the fuck did you do to our friend and stuff? And what'd and you he do to my car? Yeah. And he's like, what'd you guys do to my car? Why'd you fuck up my car? And it's like, oh my God, but you killed our friend. It's like. And then you just cut and roll credits, and you're like, oh, fuck, what happens now? <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, they it's don't like look coming... so good
0: anymore, do they? Right, like, like, yeah. That doesn't seem like a victory anymore, does it? Like, no. And they so just wanted to. Just a couple stunt. Ch- then the story would be like a couple stunt chicks wanted to con a guy out of joyride in a car and their friend get raped and murdered.
1: Yeah. So yeah. I think uh, I think Quentin was like, let's just let's just cut it. Because <laughs> what <laughs> do you the think girls happened beating. to her?
0: Like after that, what do you think happened when they showed back up with a wrecked car?
1: I don't know. Either she killed him in self defense because he tried to force himself on her, mm-hmm. and, or he like maybe he raped her, or maybe he killed her or raped her and then killed her so that there'd be no. It's you not know, good either way. No, there's really not a there's good no scenario good because. Here. You can tell that, like, for one, we already know that he's racist because he refers to like, the, the Kim character, the girl with like the the, the natural, the as black a colored girl with the natural. Girl. He called her a colored girl, and that should have been a red flag for Rosaria Dawson. Which is
0: Which also, I mean, it's bad, but that's not the worst thing he could could have called her there.
1: No, but uh, but that should have been a warning flag that, like, you know, he's referring to her as colored. So yeah, you know, and it's like they are in Tennessee, and it's like you know you.
0: The home of the racist.
1: Right, <laughs> we are not saying Tennessee is the home of racism. I said that's not true. Yeah, right. <laughs> we are we are not saying that at all. Tennessee is actually a pretty good state. We're saying that about Mississippi. Mississippi <laughs> is though. <laughs> oh, anybody R-R-D. listening R-R-D. to us in Mississippi is like, wait a minute, what the fuck? It's I'm like, just kidding. Look, We're got... not
0: saying you personally are. are... Actually, you know,
1: if right you're listening now, to this show, you more than likely, you're not, you're yeah. not a racist. Right
0: now, actually, Oregon's probably the most racist
1: state somehow. <laughs> I don't know. We're not going to get into that. But anyway, uh,
0: <laughs> you, you can though, just like look it up. It's pretty simple. It's weird. How do they become like one of the most racist states in America? I don't know, probably access to drugs.
1: But anyway... um, Drugs did... Yeah. (laughs) Drugs do help stupidity. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. Um, Okay, let's get into a comment. The first comment is about our... About our our buddy here, Stuntman Mike. Uh, And one thing I will say about Stuntman Mike is that I'm like... He... Like, Kurt Russell is like almost the perfect dude to play this at the time that he played it. Because he's like just that right kind of age that... He seems like he'd be an old-school Hollywood guy. Right. I don't know exactly what time period Death Proof is supposed to take place in. Like, does it take place in the 90s? Is it supposed to be in the 2000s? I don't know if Quentin ever explained, like, when it's supposed to take place. I have no idea. Because, you know, the movie came out in 07, so you would kind of assume that it's taking place in the 2000s, I would imagine.
0: But uh, here are some other people that... Uh... Tarantino considered to play stuntman Mike, and it was Mickey Rourke, uh, Sylvester Stallone, (laughs) Ving Rhames, and an Australian actor named John Jarrett. Um, But he he ended up landing on Kurt Russell.
1: See, like I don't know, like Stallone. I don't know if I I don't know if Stallone could pull off the menacing part of him. I would have liked to seen him. That would have been interesting. To see, like maybe, like him doing, like, a, like, like you know, scene, like a screen reading or like a, a, a screen test. I would have really liked to have seen, you know, like
0: Stallone in that scene with R- 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 uh, uh, Rose McGowan. Whenever he was like, "Which way are you going, left or right?" Right. And she's like, "Right," and he was like, "That's too bad." Yeah, that's just too bad. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, "She was like, why?" And he was like. Cause we're going left, right, yeah. And he was like, "And it's fifty-fifty chance that if you would have said, you know, the direction I was going, it would have took you It'd a little long, while, a little while before, before the terror you, sets in. Sets in, but it's gonna have to start setting in now. Right, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I would have loved to seen Stallone do that scene. Yeah, that would have been <laughs> interesting to see. But I
1: almost feel like the I think the thing with like Stallone is that. Because he is known as like a big muscular dude, would that make sense for a guy who made his career as a as like a a car stunt guy? I I think the difference would that was, have
0: made sense. I th- I think the thing that would have been different. I, I think maybe. If I was Tarantino, like, he didn't even mention it in here, I think it would only have been between two people, and it would have been Kurt Russell or Nicolas Cage. Yeah, and see, I Nicholas think if cage, Nicolas Cage would have been the other He could have thing, pulled off would the would menacing... like, Yeah, and if he would have been like, you only have two options here, you know, like, have some Cage insanity in that? Yeah. You know, it would be and like... his fucking okay. eyebrows are going
1: insane. And... But I
0: still say, Kurt Russell is definitely the man for for the job. Like, he, he the right person played this role, but... It would have been interesting for a couple other
1: people to try it. Yeah, see, even like Vin Rams, because he's you know he's kind of one of Tarantino's uh, boys. He would,
0: he would have been calmly menacing. He know? would have been like, yeah, he would. He, he would have been able to pull off the first half of the film, but I don't think he would have been able to pull off the second half of the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first, the half, begging and stuff like that. He couldn't have done that like Kurt Russell
1: did. Or. Right. Yeah. That that would have been way different. But anyway, so we'll get into the comment. So it says, Death Proof is supposed to be a spoof on the 1970s, like, uh, schlock B-movies, but this isn't. The only thing 70s here is Stuntman Mike's car. The story is really nothing. Uh, It's pretty much a bunch of really annoying chicks chat and chat about nothing for an eternity and then chat some more. Stuntman Mike finally shows up and his character is hardly looked upon. Russell is awesome here and has a great way of becoming charming to chilling in a matter of seconds. Stuntman Mike wants to kill people for reasons unknown. The kill sequences are pretty cool and is the best scene in the entire movie for more reasons than one. The women here are so boring that I found myself quenched with bloodlust that was rooting for Stuntman Mike. Mike is easily one of the most cool villains ever, uh, or in this case, a hero, which is kind of what Steve is saying. is d- not
0: my opinion, that's just my theory. That's I, just his theory. I think theory. the girls are, you know...
1: I, I mean, he is a murderer. He is like a serial killer. Yeah, he is but, a serial
0: killer. I'm just saying this. I mean, it's my theory, but it's not my... So you're thinking that
1: Quentin wrote this where he he's, he's kind of through the lens of a hero a little bit.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, he is the main character. He's the only person through the whole movie. So. Right,
1: yeah, because the girls aren't. They, you know, there's different sets of girls. But it says, Death Proof then wastes more of our time with another set of even more unlikable chicks with more inane chit-chat. These ones were so bad, they left uh, one of their own in the hands of a drooling lunatic to satisfy their selfish desires. I hated that and wanted Mike to waste them too. This second half of Death Proof was weak. Seeing Mike chase down the second set of unlikable chicks and taunt them was entertaining, but the revenge chase was unspectacular in epic proportions. I hated seeing the awesome stuntman Mike become a whiny little bitch in in a split second and the ending was atrocious. Not only does the end completely ruin the film, it also brings most uh, the, uh, brings on the most fictional thing in the universe that women can drive and kills off oh, wow. and kills off the he, only character you ever felt in any way respect for. Wow, he he look, Woo, he, there was some misogyny
0: there. Look, he up until then he was he, he was holding a good opinion on the film. And I was like, okay, this is actually a good, solid film. And then he just went straight into misogyny, and i am he lost me. Yeah. Like, I would have almost been on his side, be like, okay, that's a good, solid film opinion. That's that, why I saved
1: this one, because... That you
0: could have had, but then when you went all like, oh, this is the most fictional thing is women drive," contract- It's like, what are you talking about, man? Why'd you have to <laughs> go, go tell off- that to Britney Force?" Yeah, it's like yeah. why would you have to go off on that, man? Like, the, the, why'd you why'd you have to add that in the end? Yeah, I was almost gonna say. I mean, that's. I mean, that, I was almost gonna say, man, that's a good, solid opinion. You, you kind of, you kind of have your own opinion there, and yeah, they do have their own selfish desires and stuff like that. but you're like, oh, but women can drive this movie's bullshit. It's like what? Yeah, why'd
1: you have to go there? Well, and that's the, that, that was one of the reasons why I wanted to save this one. Because I was like, it almost seems like it's a good point. And you're like, okay, maybe I can, you know, playing devil's advocate, I can maybe see this guy's point of view. Until you get to the end and you're like, oh, shit. Oh, we're just going full board into the misogyny there. The idea that the most fictional thing in this movie is that, that you could have a woman like uh, the Kim character um you know that she can actually drive and that she actually can keep up with somebody who is a professionally trained stuntman Look, these girls all work in movies too, so yeah, they have some bo- skills. but
0: both Zoe and Kim are both also professionally trained stunt women,
1: right? Yeah, and because Kim, I think she actually—that's what she is—is is she's like a stunt driver, right? Yeah, both of them are. And, and then, then Zoe, Bell well, yeah, Zoe and the can Kim do it too. Chick
0: yeah, because both stunt people. that's yeah. why they were talking about you know doing that the, stunt at the end, doing the, the ship's mast. Yeah, the because, ship's mast. Because
1: then, that's why, because Zoe knows that Kim can actually keep the car under control well enough enough that she trusted to do it and that's and that's one of the things it's like as soon as i saw that i was like okay so all of the uh and i know there's people that are probably like yeah john but danica patrick didn't really ever win anything it's like the fact that she was actually the most prominent woman in nascar it, it you know nascar even though like i make fun of it and it's easy to make fun of like it is a difficult sport to get good at you know, and becoming a champion and it winning a lot of races in NASCAR. Danica Patrick won anything.
0: The fact the that she that, got there. The thing that matters is none of you people can do it,
1: right? And it's like, so you're going to say that, like, what you can drive better than like Danica Patrick? It's like you can drive better than like the Force sisters, you know, that are you know John Force's daughters. I mean, Brittany literally won it. I even sent a thing to Steve when uh, Brittany won the uh, uh, the NHRA World Championship, and it's like. Yeah, it's a woman. And not only her, but there's a lot of women in the NHRA, you know, uh, that are, like, really, really good drivers that win a lot of races. And so the idea that you could have, I mean, there's there's an entire... Yeah, uh, do
0: away with your stereotypes about women not being able to drive and keep your stereotypes about Asians. I'm just kidding. That's <laughs> some of my Anthony Jeselnik coming out.
1: Right, yeah. But it's like the idea that, like, you know, the most fictional thing in this movie is that women can, you know, drive a muscle car and stuff like that. It's like literally the woman in this movie who could legit do it in real life is Zoe Bell because she's a professional stunt double.
0: The most fictional thing in this movie is women not finding Kurt Russell attractive.
1: Right, <laughs> that's what Steve's complaint is. Like uh, when he's talking to uh, what is what is her name? It's a uh, Ferlita. F- F- is that her their last name? F- yeah, Ferlita. Uh, F- yeah. It's um when Whatever. he's talking They're to just her. Like
0: scar scares you, and they think he's ugly and stuff. It's like look, Kurt Russell could have a Mike Tyson tattoo on his face. And he still looks like fucking Kurt Russell. Right. He could have, he could have a tattoo hair. of an ice cream
1: cone on his cheek, and you're like, it's yeah. still fucking Kurt Russell. It's still Kurt Russell. You just can't make What do you think Goldie Hawn hasn't left him? Yeah, Would like... Would you want to leave that? <laughs> you know,
0: I mean, it, it, it's just... It's one of those things where it's just like... That is the most fictional thing. Like, you telling me if you're like some, like... 20-something-year-old chick and Kurt Russell walked in the bar and he said a poem to you for a lap dance, you wouldn't just be like, yeah, I'm going to give him a lap dance and then I'm going to fuck him in the back. Like, right. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, it's Kurt Russell. He's a beautiful man. Right. No, he is. That
1: hair? Yeah, especially that with hair? That, especially with that, uh, that kind of vaguely Elvis-styled haircut. Yeah, he's that got he that
0: fucking Elvis-style hair- haircut. He's got the leather jacket and the, the scar wouldn't make him uglier and make him look more badass to
1: shit because it's like yeah because then he could be like he could do almost do like the Joker thing like you know how I got this scar? Yeah, I got these scars. I got I this fucking... I got this shit doing a movie. It's like, "Oh shit, what happened?" It's like, "Okay, so here's the stunt and he could kind of go through a whole story. Like, dude, you could do if you have if, if imagine if you met this dude in have real ever, life have and you... say he wasn't say he wasn't a serial killer, and right? He gets,
0: oh, and he gets pissed when Rose McGowan calls him a cowboy. Right? because of tombstone right yeah 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 i'm no cowboy like right. literally he goes to that and he's like i'm no cowboy right
1: <laughs> and that's kind of what yeah it, it, that's a nice little sort of homage to tombstone which i thought was pretty funny um also like he gets seriously pissed with that.
0: Yeah. She's also like a cowboy he's like I'm no
1: cowboy. Yeah, that definitely <laughs> set him off. Rose McGowan's character, I like her character. Oh yeah, movie. I love Rose McGowan. She, she has and, a really good character. In this
0: movie and in the even in the Planet Terror movie. but it, it, sucks it sucks that she's right. like
1: she's like the first one that gets killed before he goes after the other side. I of think her. it's
0: great. I think it's perfect. You have to set a tone for his you how know, sadistic he's willing like to how, go, like like what the girls are about to expect, and the the first girls, you know, the first set of girls are just like they they have no chance, you know. Even if they were to fight, they would have had no chance. Yeah,
1: because I mean, also they're like they're drinking, they're focused on you know trying to get, they're to trying that.
0: to get drugs and trying to have sex, and you know, it's yeah. basically holly, you know, Hollywood horror tropes. They're right. trying to do all those things. Because it
1: kind of reminds me a little bit of sort of like uh, like Friday the 13th is sort of set up around the idea that like all the camp counselors are just like a bunch of horny teenagers that want to get in the cabin and fuck. And that's the whole reason that Jason yeah. was left behind and he drowned was because all the counselors were more worried about you know rustling their jimmies than actually trying to watch after the kids. And that's how Jason died because uh, he drowned in the lake because none of the counselors were there to, to help him. So that's sort of... And this has kind of a feeling of, like, you know, it's sort of like um, like an old-school slasher movie of, like, he's, like, stalking them uh, because it's, like, the only things that they're concerned the about. The first half. The, the, the second first half.
0: half, they kind of hint at it's kind of like going in 60 seconds and then they kind of – the original going in 60 seconds and they kind of end it like that.
1: Right. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, it's just, you know, I, I think that um, – like you know, when they say like the kill sequences are pretty cool and uh the best uh and is the best scene in the entire movie for more reasons than one um it's like yeah that's that's fine now, i had one comment i ended up deleting it or i had it like on a different thing uh do i still have i don't you know if i still thing. have that uh, oh no no i do still have it okay these were notes that i cut out but i just because i'm on it i'll i'll go over this just briefly it says, when Stuntman Mike finally does appear, it's good but too brief. In fact, it's a cameo role. That's when the action begins and lasts for like five whole minutes. I understand there's no explanation for his actions. There doesn't need to be. It's supposed to be exploitation. But without wanting to sound like a sadist, is it supposed to be exploitation? If it's supposed to be exploitation, then where was it? Um, and, you know, the, you know, the thought that I had about that was like, it, it I think the reason why the – because the way that he takes these women out, like, is he uses the car as basically a weapon. Like, in the first half especially, because he – like, Rose McGowan's character, the the blonde-headed girl that was, like, drunk at the bar and needed a ride home, he's literally, like, smashing her into the side of, Mm -hmm. like, the roll cage and the, you know, the, the, the camera side where you would normally have the cameraman sitting. And stuff. He's literally smashing her up against the door, smashing her up against the partition because he's trying to, like, fuck her up. And then he immediately slams on the brakes and then, you know, her fucking head goes into the dash like it's brutal, right? So the thing is, is that if you, if you're like, okay, well, the whole point is, is that he is, he's like a serial killer, essentially. If If you could classify him as a serial killer, you've listened to a lot of serial killer podcasts would you think that he'd be considered a serial killer based on what he's yes. doing? Okay, so if we agree yes. that man Mike is a serial killer. The
0: definition of serial killer is whenever you target someone with a similar motive like, and you kill multiple people with the same motive. And the same, usually, well, a lot of times it's the same style, the same method. Yeah, a lot of times, uh, you know, with the same motives. And there's, there's some exceptions to some serial killers that just kind of like, Because a lot of uh, serial killers have motives, but some don't, like the Witch Hunter. Like, there was a a couple that was called the Witch Hunters, and they would just kind of randomly kill people, and they didn't really have a motive to do it besides, like, you know, just whenever the female person in that group said to kill them. Right. And, um, but then there was also, uh, this, uh, other serial killer named, um, uh, uh John Moxley um and he <laughs> is that, he, he wait killed, a minute the Mox he w he killed uh he he was a serial killer and he was someone that was uh uh part of a big family and he was uh molested and abused as a child and stuff like that so he killed pedophiles exclusively Ah. even whenever he was in prison he he killed like he killed like uh two pedophiles in one day to try to get transferred back to a psych ward because he wanted help but turns out he was actually an okay person like but he was trying to get help like he got help and then they transferred him out of help and stuff but john moxley was a serial killer that only killed
1: pedophiles right so he's kind of an anti-hero, I guess? I guess. Like, Wouldn't yeah. that be crazy if he got spawn powers from, like, Mel bolgia Oh, possible. imagine if he did, and he was just, like, he just used his spawn powers to just kill fucking pedophiles. God, that would be really fucked up.
0: Yeah, but I do think that is where the uh, the wrestler did, did
1: take his name from. Okay, I was wondering that, because you said John Moxley, and I'm like, whoa, wait a minute, the wrestler?
0: Yeah, but he was a serial killer, and but he 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 only ever ever killed pedophiles but he is a dangerous person he is dangerous to other people too but he only ever murdered pedophiles
1: right um so the uh so yeah, that's really. I, I never knew about that guy. That's the first I've heard of that. That's interesting.
0: Yeah, he was he was a real serial killer,
1: and but like, I mean, at he, least the people that he killed are fucking scumbags. So yeah, because
0: whenever he went on his first spree, he he thought whenever he had arrested, because he was planning on getting arrested, that they would actually kind of award him for community service and let him go to a mental institution where he get help. Oh, because he, he knew he had psychological issues, but he couldn't get help anywhere else. Right. So he went to killing people, bad people, yeah, pedophiles, stuff that he that angered him because he heard voices and stuff telling him to kill, and it, it always told him to kill
1: pedophiles. Yeah,
0: because he was, you know, a victim he was of abused him. himself. Yeah. So
1: uh, yeah. John
0: Moxley, everyone. Yes. Um, um, so that
1: was interesting. I had no idea about this dude, but <laughs> um, but anyway. <laughs> So the whole thing is, is that like if his method of killing women uh, is using the car as basically a weapon, you're not gonna have like you know like the second half of the movie it's a chase because it's in broad daylight and you know he's he's like attacking. And there's them a couple from things behind. that
0: happened in that chase. There's some Dukes of Hazard scenes and then there's smoking the bandit scenes. Right.
1: There's some homages in there. But in the first part of the movie, like with the first group of girls, uh, you're, you're only going to have like just a brief period of violence because he kills the Rose, Rose McGowan's character in the car while she's in there with him. And she's like stuck in that side of the car. And then when he turns around, he goes after the other group of girls that are in, you know, in their car and they're all drunk and they've been smoking weed all day and all this kind of stuff. And they're fucked up. When he rams into their car, he can only really perform that once and, and kill them. So you're not going to, it's like, if you have a head on it collision, you see the aftermath of it with like fucking body parts coming out of the car. Like it's brutal, right? It's, it's disgusting.
0: Their fucking leg
1: comes off and I'm like, Oh God, that shit's just, uh, um, And and Jungle Julia, like her character, like I can kind of understand, like she has like an aura about her. She is kind of a shit friend though, or she is a shit friend because she basically set this whole situation up for the butterfly girl without even telling her. She's kind of a shit
0: person. She's very entrancing, though. Like, she's very...
1: Oh, definitely, yeah. Like, you want to
0: flock to her and stuff like that. Because she she has an aura. She has a She has a lot of charisma, but she is also a bad person.
1: Right. Uh, But that's the thing, is, like, you know, when people are like, yeah, but, like, when he does finally kill them, it's only, like, a few minutes of the movie, and then they immediately, you know, cut to the hospital, and you just move on. And it's like, well, I just... We just sat through all this dialogue for, like, 30-something minutes... 40 minutes or whatever, and then we get, like, a few minutes of action, and then it's just like, ah, oh, we blew our load, we're done. No, it's uh, literally t- an hour. Yeah, it's... it's the so, first it's, half like, of the
0: movie is an hour. It's an the hour, The second yeah. half of the movie is 50 minutes. Right. The second half is less than the first half. Right. The first half gets more attention, and then they die and fell. And then they move on, and the second half is shorter. Right. The second half is the shortest part of the movie. The first half, they... They give the most attention to yeah because he wrote the most dialogue for that the most story build that's where you learn about stuntman Mike and all this stuff
1: yeah you learn all the backstory uh, but yeah I just think that um, and we'll, we'll we'll get to a break here in a second uh, but I think that like when it comes to like stuntman Mike it's like you know he's he's one of those characters where you're kind of like you sort of. I don't know, like, you can kind of understand him somehow. Like, it's weird that you could understand somebody who's a complete psychopath like that. But you're like, you, but like you were saying, like, this does seem like it's way more, like, plausible than something like Planet Terror that's just a straight up, like, you know, zombie movie. This actually seems like something that could happen in real life. If you had the right kind of car and you were sufficiently, you know, psychopathic enough... You could kill people with that with said car, you know. Like this does seem like it would be right. more in reality. So I think that's kind of what lends to sort of the terror man. Mike is that there could just be like an unhinged dude who has like really good, you know, stunt training. That's a badass driver that just says fuck it and just kind of flips and goes crazy and just right. decides to kill people. This does seem like it could be realistic, you know, uh, but. It's like the whole thing where people, you know, are complaining about how like, you know, the action in the middle of the movie is just kind of like it just like it happens. You build up to him doing something to them and then he kills them and then it's like, oh, cut to the hospital and you get to, yeah. you, get to you get to meet Earl McGraw and his son, you know, and and stuff like that. And it's um it's like, yeah, but I mean, but when you use the car as a weapon, He only really can do that one time and he got pretty badly fucked up in that accident, you know, and then they're even in the hospital talking about like, well, you know, he didn't have anything to drink. There's no alcohol in his system. The bartender vouched that he didn't he didn't order anything. He ordered, you know, he didn't order anything with any alcohol. The girls were drinking and ordering shots and, you know, drinking stuff all night and all that kind of stuff. So it's like, you know, the idea that, you know if he wanted to play this off as like you know uh they were drunk and they ran into him or whatever or they veered over into his right. lane he's like you know you could make a case for that because all of the circumstantial evidence shows that he didn't have any alcohol and all that kind of stuff and these girls were fucked up so they look like well, they were in the wrong. what
0: run. the sheriff says
1: is and i'm like i'm like really butchering that i know if but
0: he if he, because uh, he, he has he, a whole sequence he, he basically says should he spend all this time investigating it or should he watch NASCAR on Sundays right and he said he'd rather watch NASCAR right yeah <laughs> so that's basically what he said he's like I'm not
1: really gonna push for this it's like- but
0: it makes me wonder also with Tarantino I'd, I'd love to ask him this if I ever got the chance to ask him is if he based stuntman Mike off of uh uh, Eric Edgar Cook, which was a serial killer that was running down women with this car, like a lot. Because um, whenever, you know, I was watching this movie, I was like, I, uh, 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 you know, Cook was uh, known as the night caller. But he would literally just freaking just run run over women. Like, that's the only person he'd run over. Like, that's that's how he killed people. He'd just run them over. So, I was just kind of wondering, maybe if Tarantino. Terrence got the idea? Yeah, got the from idea for this a little bit from that guy. Well, what, um, what,
1: uh, what state was that guy from?
0: I don't remember.
1: Okay. Because that'd be um, interesting if he was from Tennessee, and that's kind of where Quentin heard the story.
0: He might be from Tennessee. That kind of sounds
1: like a, a Tennessee name,
0: Eric Edgar Cook. Seems like somebody that could be from Tennessee. That'd be pretty interesting if it was. Right. But, um, yeah, I guess we're going to go ahead and take a break. and And yes. when we come back, we'll get to our other comment. And, yes.
1: Because uh, we're about to talk about the females in this movie. And specifically, uh, Tarantino's writing for this movie. <laughs> okay. So we'll be right back. Up in the break, and uh, Eric Edgar Cook is actually from uh, Perth, Australia. So, yeah, so it's your fault, Ozzy man, right? <laughs> Even though you weren't alive back then, it's still your fault because you represent Perth and we're disappointed in you that you didn't do anything to stop him. Fiction, Fix so, it. uh, oh,
0: yeah, that, uh. Ohashi uh, video
1: fixed it. That's good. Okay, we're, right. He yeah, has the Caitlyn Ohashi video. We're yeah. square. We're square then. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so could you say that uh, Eric Edgar Cook sent his victims to Destination Fucked? Or is that terrible to say? Is that bad? I mean, it is terrible to say, but it's
0: also true. It is true that yeah. Uh, to quote Metallica, it's sad but true. Sad but true. You know yeah. it's sad but true. <laughs>
1: i was trying to remember which the song that you played uh coming back uh was that the the dave d dozy beaky mick and titch was no that that was uh t-rex's jeepster oh t-rex okay yeah yeah okay there we go yes uh
0: um which is uh a new york uh you know uh bass band t-rex t-rex
1: yeah, there's uh, some uh, interesting stuff on the soundtrack There was a here. lot
0: of good soundtrack here. I had to just choose. But we only
1: can run three. We can only run three, so I
0: kind of chose the three most prominent, in my opinion. I mean, I'm pretty sure there's a bunch of opinions of this soundtrack out there, and there's a bunch of good music on this soundtrack. Yeah, a lot of
1: people, even if they didn't necessarily like the movie so much, like I heard some person, they were like, They were like, if you just want to, if you just like this movie for the soundtrack and didn't actually like the acting, they're like, I can understand. So I did see some comments like that where people were like, "Yeah, the soundtrack is actually really good because it's got it's got like a good mix of, you know, good like classic like '60s tunes, '70s tunes, Um, you know, like it's all the stuff on this definitely fits very nicely with the the way the movie's made. I
0: think Tarantino said this is one of the soundtracks he's the most proud of, but a movie that he said was not his best, which isn't a diss. It's just, he's made so many good movies. (laughs) It's not a diss. Right, yeah. Whenever you're... Hashtag winning. You know, whenever someone like, you know, Juve Vol says, this isn't my best, it's like, yeah, but what is? Yeah. When Tarantino says it's not my best, it's like, yeah... Also, what do you think is your best? Like, I would like to know what Tarantino
1: thought his best movie was. Um, what do you What do you think Tarantino himself would say is his best movie? I would I would think Tarantino
0: would say his best movie is Jackie Brown. Jackie Brown, but more I, so than Pulp
1: Fiction. That's interesting. I
0: would think just because it was something that he loved, like reading. And then he could adapt it into his own, right? But if was you were to ask Omar, a Leonard fan, if you would ask the average Quentin Tarantino fan, I think they would say Pulp Fiction or Reservoir Dogs,
1: right? What would you say is the best movie that he's made? I you would you being s- the, Taran- the, the Tarantino super fan amongst us. Not to say that I don't like Tarantino, I do. I just, I didn't get into Tarantino as much until I met Steve. So, he was, he was like, Steve was like my gateway drug into Tarantino. <laughs> uh, it would depend on if you're going
0: by writing, are you just saying directing?
1: Well, just as an overall, like, I'll put it to you this way. Okay, the movie that he had uh, a good soundtrack, he had great dialogue, great acting. Every It was like a full package. He had everything in that movie in this particular movie, whichever one you, you choose, is like iconic. It's got the soundtrack, it's got the acting, it's got the memorable dialogue and sequences, all that shit. Well then it's Kill Bill Volume two. Kill Bill Volume two? Oh, okay. Um I wouldn't have thought it well why so why more two than the first one? Well, wouldn't you have to put Kill Bill together? Wouldn't they? would you put both parts together? You you would
0: want to, but he he separated them, not me.
1: I mean, yeah, that's true. That's fair. He did separate them into two parts instead of I, making one long ass movie. He yeah. basically cut it into two. pieces. I didn't
0: tell him to separate them. The reason Kill Bill two is because there's more David Carradine. There's more. There's more sit down acting, and then there's more like. Uh, uh camera motions, like classic Tarantino camera motions and two emotional one, content. Yeah. There's a lot more of that. And then the soundtrack by the Rizza is is epic. Like it's really great. Like it's
1: super awesome in that movie. As somebody who appreciates the Wu Tang clan, I, I I would agree that yeah. Riza killed it on that soundtrack. I
0: mean, even even in the first one he killed it too. But in the second yes. one especially, like he he went all out in the second one. And then, you know, of course, Pulp Fiction is, you know, Tarantino's masterpiece, of course. But if you're asking me what I thought, like, his, his like, his, you know... Total package? His total package was, you know, Kill Bill Volume 2. It just it would just be Kill Bill, Bill but he chose to separate it. So that's not on me. Right. So it's <laughs> Volume 2.
1: Ah, okay. <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the thing is that, like when Tarantino works on something like every time he chooses something it's like each one of them has their own particular stylings you know because like the kill bill movies are kind of an homage to well spaghetti westerns in part 2 to a degree and like you know martial arts movies in part 1
0: this and also this movie and Django Unchained and Unchained are the only two movies that he's ever done that wasn't like out of order you know, like scene wise, how oh, he jumps. Oh, right, scenes. yeah, yeah. He okay. doesn't do this in Death Proof, and he doesn't do it in Django Unchained.
1: Right, the uh, continuity is jumbled. Yeah. And so those are the flipping... only two movies he doesn't do that. Oh yet. yeah, that's right. Because Death Proof is pretty linear for Tarantino. You have a first half. He stalks the girls, kills them. Our and film then... theory wise, is it? Like, well, because the... you
0: said the film theory thing, where. Uh, you said maybe uh, the reason that the first part so jumbled is because it takes place in a different timeline. So if that's the case,
1: then no, that isn't true. So that's yeah, because that was um, uh, that was something that I came across. It was like on uh, Reddit uh, where, yeah, here it is. I, okay, I had to thankfully, I was able to find the post again quickly. Uh, but it says it's obvious to the simplest of dollars that death proof is split into two halves. Oh, the name of this dude is... Oh, the name is deleted. Okay, this is like an old post, so we don't know the person's username. But it says... Uh, Why would you delete your name? Yeah, the, the name is just... It's like deleted out. I guess maybe they don't have a Reddit account anymore, and they deleted their He's their an username. alien.
0: He had to go back to his home planet. Right,
1: he was like, but before I leave Earth, I gotta get this Stuntman Mike Death Proof shit out because like I have had this shit on my brain before I go home. To planet Zognar, wherever the fuck they're from. Zognar. Uh, you, you guys know that's in the snack bar. Uh, uh, Constellation.
0: Constellation.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, everybody knows that. Come on. You're an idiot on, if you man. don't. Fuck. I mean, for real. <laughs> it's right there. So <laughs> Come on, right. So he says, Death Proof, you know, to the simplest of people, is split into two halves. However, one is a music-based and the next is film-based. Mm-hmm. And he says... Uh, We also know that Death Proof was the second film in a double feature extravaganza that was uh, Grindhouse movies. Uh, Keeping this cinema mindset, I had a theory years ago that uh, when I was uh, Grindhouse mad that Death Proof is actually a teenage projectionist effort to make an entire film from scraps of two films in a trilogy. Why a trilogy? Because that fills in with the third film, not necessarily the last film due to Mike's death, was about Stuntman Mike and Stuntwoman Zoe. Zoe never says anything about Mike, but she never seemed that she didn't know him either. More on that later. Given that Zoe's a real stuntwoman and Mike is a fictional stuntman, the concept that they have crossed paths before in the Tarantino universe is not far-fetched as far as I'm concerned. Uh, But if you skip ahead to where he talks about the... um, uh so he says uh i would hazard a guess that the teenage projectionist uh quick detour why teenage projectionist because this is grindhouse and they probably wouldn't care if a team was projecting x-rated movies Is also one that calls the film we now know as death proof uh, because uh, of this merging of the films the opening credits clearly shows the original title as thunderbolt then cut to a plain white text on a black title card and plain text saying death proof. It says, now I always figured that the first half, which was Jungle Julia's uh, group of girls, was music oriented. And the second half, which was Zoe's group, was film oriented. And this is obviously intentional. So, huh, yeah, that's not
0: a bad theory.
1: Yeah. Um, and uh, it says, uh, I think the first film is lost, at least to us real life people, and chronicled a film shoot that involved both Mike and Zoe. What happens in this is up to imagination, but something obviously happens to Zoe by Mike's hand. I also hazard a guess towards the end of this, where uh, Tracy Toms' character Kim uh, comes in, because they are obviously you know BFFs in the second half of the movie, and both are stunt performers. The film shoot chronicled uh, this film shoot chronicled in stuntman Mike one. Either went really well uh, in the end, or not at all. Let's say Mike Ooh, kills do people. do you think the
0: the no you at think first, the first unintentionally? Do you think the first part of it happens in New Zealand?
1: Well, it, I mean, it, the first part clearly happens in Austin, Texas.
0: No, I'm saying like the missing first part. Oh, do you think that first part happens in New Zealand and maybe stuntman Mike hits a car? Kills everyone but Zoe Bell. And then you come back to the third part. And that's why she wants to kill him so much. Because they could have just been like... They could have just sat there and be like... Yeah, okay, that's over with. Let's go home. But then she was like... Hey, I'm still alive. Let's go kill this
1: motherfucker. Right, yeah. Um, I don't know. That's, that's interesting. Uh, because... Because they were saying the missing first part... Yeah, this is. Wonder
0: if that happened in New Zealand, to Zoe Bell.
1: Yeah, so like what they're saying is, uh, in the first stuntman Mike movie, either went really well or well in the end or not at all. Let's say Mike kills people at first unintentionally, then intentionally getting a taste for it while making it look like stunts goes uh, stunts gone wrong. Zoe cottons on and tries to fight him. Mike, being a pussy, buggers off as we see when he gets shot in the end of the. When the, in the end of the movie, Zoe becomes friends with uh, with the Kim character. Happy ending. Film two is actually Julia's girls. Uh, this is uh, this makes sense as to the change of pace from the film set to music orient, uh, of, to music oriented girls. Don't forget the lap debt scene was cut out of the grindhouse version and put into the extended cut of Death Roof, which could help the theory that there's more you know more in quotations footage lying out there read on uh, says the reason why is uh, film number two is be, uh reason why this is film number two is because we all know sequels to films that don't have any actors from the first one besides uh, one or two and kind of start afresh hence why zoe nor any of the of the um, the film girls don't appear in this save for stuntman mike jungle julia could have been present or appeared in one film doing interviews yeah on the film mike and zoe were working on and it and keeps it in texas the second film proves to be as much of a success if not more than stuntman mike number one which is the missing one so the producers commissioned the last film in the trilogy film three is the end where zoe comes to texas to film some stunts and her and her crew come into contact with mike and they obviously fuck him up big time in one of the most glorious car chases in film history Gotta say it. (laughs) The lap dance scene is also extremely important because this also helps solidify why Zoe never says anything uh, about not knowing Stuntman Mike and the Death Proof cut. For all we know, this teenage projectionist cut out all the relevant exposition and backstory that would explain the missing film number one.
0: Maybe, yeah.
1: It's an interesting, it's kind of an interesting take because I was like, I never really thought about it like that, but it's like, You know, she definitely does want to kill him at the end, and some people would probably just say, like, oh, well, yeah, I mean, but he tried to run him off the road, and he was, like, intentionally trying to kill him, so she's just like, well, we're just, we're gonna fucking pay him back, like, we're gonna have to kill this motherfucker because he messed with us, you know? But the idea is that, um, you know, the reason why there's all those weird jump cuts, and there's, like, scenes that look like they're missing, and, like, they end one scene, and then it cuts, and you're like, oh, that's really jarring and weird... Is You know, he's saying that like well, maybe you know, there was a guy who was trying to put these together Maybe it was originally supposed to be like a trilogy of movies based on stuntman Mike But because a bunch of people died in the original one You know that they decided not to release it and then they decided to turn that into an actual character thing where he comes back in the second movie and now he's got a bloodlust because he's killed people And he kind of, it kind of, you know, gets him going. He sort of gets off on this. He likes doing this. You know, at least that's kind of what I'm sort of vaguely interpreting, you know, is that, like, uh, the first movie was kind of lost because a lot of people died in it and they were like, it's just not cool to show a movie where a bunch of people died in from a stunt accident. Yeah, maybe.
0: But that's just one guy's theory. Of film, film theory. theory. <laughs>
1: um, and not cut. That's not n- a, no, no, we're not going to cut you. We still have a whole section to go. But I would like to, I would think it'd be interesting to be like, hey, Pat. I, I know you're know busy doing this fucking food theory thing and figuring out how to fucking cook turkeys and shit for Thanksgiving, which is actually kind of a good episode if you guys watch it. I mean,
0: thanks, but I know how to cook turkeys. Right, yeah. <laughs>
1: Where he's talking about, like, do you cook it the traditional way or do you cook it the spatchcock way where you butterfly it and everything. So, he has kind of like his Thanksgiving video. It's actually pretty good. I watched it yesterday. I was like, that's actually kind of interesting. You watched it even though you've never cooked a turkey. I've never. Did- no, but it's Matt Pat. I mean, if he's working on something, I'm going to at least, you know, if it's something I'm vaguely interested in. I like turkey. I eat turkey. I just never cooked one myself. You know. What, does that make me a bad person now? <laughs> okay, so anyway. No, no. Uh, it's like, hey, look, sometimes I get interested in weird shit, okay? Don't, don't, don't judge me.
0: No, no, that's not weird shit cooking a turkey. Now, if you were watching a MatPat video about fucking a turkey, <laughs> that then you'd be, would be a weird person.
1: That would be demonetized, and it would also be fucking weird. Would it? I don't know. Um, I don't know. It's like when we had that... We were talking about chicken fucking in that one episode. (laughs) Yeah. uh,
0: Pink Flamingo thing. Yeah.
1: There is chicken fucking in that episode. (laughs) You mean in that movie. Yeah. Not in our episode, no. Um, But... uh, (laughs) Okay, so this one... uh, I don't know how Steve's going to react to this because Quentin Tarantino is one of his heroes, and this guy basically is going to trash Tarantino. I'm just going to what? let you know. What? Okay, so it says Tarantino has never been able to write for women. Far and away, the worst scenes in terms of dialogue in Pulp Fiction are those involving women. The Uma Thurman scenes with Travolta are ham fisted attempts at fantasy mm. chemistry, how a teenager might practice talking to a high school crush in front of a mirror reservoir dogs uh, one of the only women characters that doesn't get shot was cut from the final film in fact all of the all of his original work aside from the kill bills is male based but even the bride is merely an action revenge figure in a female form so the scripting here would have worked either way with that in mind what made him think uh, he could pull off a two-hour movie with eight women talking incessantly all the way through it really the choice of girl actors in this was terrible And you can tell the director is a regular visitor to strip bars because every female body part gets more screen time here than their actual heads. Well, (laughs) so we're talking about Tarantino's dialogue, huh? Quentin Tarantino
0: was one of the best
1: dialogue artists of all time. As far as, like, writing... It's like, name somebody who was writing scripts that sounded like this. Like, with character dialogue before Tarantino did it. Oh, before Tarantino did it? Nobody. Nobody wrote scripts like this. I mean, Kevin Smith says that the reason he thought that he could pull off something like Clerks was because he saw... uh, Reservoir Dogs, (laughs) And he was like, well, I could just shoot scenes of people talking about interesting shit. He was like, fuck, I can do that all day. You know, and he was like, he used Tarantino as an example. He was like, I wouldn't be in Hollywood if it wasn't for Tarantino showing that there was a different way of filmmaking. Yeah, and he, showing he basically, writing dialogue. Uh, Steve Buscemi and uh,
0: uh, Tim Roth basically became like uh Dante and Randall.
1: You know. Oh yeah, definitely, especially the whole thing about the the tipping the waitress the tipping thing. thing. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's basically their entire characters, just in clerks.
1: Right, like when uh, it, when Randall's talking about like all the um, all the uh, construction workers that blew up on the Death Star, on the second Death Star, and everything. People still
0: and- use that. Video today to try to prove that the Jet like the the rebels were evil.
1: Right, because they killed all the contractors on the second Death Star. There's no proof that anyone any contractors were actually
0: there when the that that second Death Star blew up, so Yeah.
1: I mean you didn't even really see much of the interior of the second Death Star anyway. You only really saw the throne room. But anyway, but the uh we're gonna go off on a Star Wars tangent if we don't stop. I'm just saying, there's no
0: there's no proof the construction workers were even there that day. No, no, exactly. Uh, so unless you have any proof that the the contractors there were working that day, then and also if they were there helping build a Death Star, I mean,
1: they're they're I mean yeah they're basically they're building they're a super weapon for money. They're complicit. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. So. Fuck them, you <laughs> know. Fuck the, the second Death Star constructional workers. They knew what they were getting into. Yeah. So, but the well, idea.
0: So that... our point is, R- Randall is wrong. Dante is right. That's what. That's our point. <laughs> this episode has nothing nothing to do with that. Right. Um. But the idea that Tarantino doesn't know how to write for women. So, Tarantino wrote for Uma Thurman for years. Uma Thurman, one of the greatest actresses ever. Uh, one of the, you know, like his his pivots to stardom is casting someone as a, am-
1: as as amazing as Uma Thurman. Right, but then you also have like, saying that he can't write for women. It's like, well, what about Pam Greer and Jackie Brown? Yeah, Pam Greer, that was terrible too.
0: Yeah, uh, you know what, Pam Greer, shitty dialogue you know that that shitty pam Greer,
1: right but that's the thing it's like okay so say if tarantino was bad at writing dialogue for women like let's just go down this logic track this is a hypothetical this is a thought experiment so say that he can't really write for for women right okay this movie like death proof in particular features like eight women in it (laughs) You know, amongst them, you have Mary Elizabeth uh, Winstead, you have Rosario Dawson, you have like Sydney Poitier's daughter. Uh, you know, you've got a lot of uh, you've got a lot of different types of actresses in this movie. And to think that he that like Rosario, if if Tarantino wrote something that was just really bad for her character, to think that she would be like, "No, Tarantino, you wrote some straight up bullshit." That's not how a woman would talk. They were just like, no, we we like his characters. Like you never heard about like them saying that, you know, he was writing a bunch of sexist shit or that he was like terrible, you know, and that he was basically just, you know, writing everything to be super sexist or something like that or racist or whatever, you know, that kind of thing. It's like, no, you'd never heard anything about that. I'm pretty sure if he wrote some crazy shit for Pam Greer to say, and Jackie Brown, she'd be like Taryn, you know, like Quentin, you really need to kind of fix some of this shit. Some of his dialogue doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense for a woman to say this shit. I no. just think that, like, you know, like I mean, like you said, he we worked with Uma Thurman like a lot over the years between the Kill Bill movies and, you know, uh, as uh, Mrs. Mia Wallace on uh, Pulp Fiction. If Uma had an issue, pretty sure she would have told Quentin, "Hey, this dialogue is shit, bro. Like, you need to fix this shit. This is terrible. No woman would say this, you know." But you never hear about anything like that. And it's like, but he he casts a lot of women in his movies, and you never hear about them like complaining about how he's written the their, their scenes. Well, also, there's another thing about Tarantino films
0: where he he will let people say their own dialogues and scenes. Yeah, he'll let them improv stuff. Yeah, so if you have any ideas, he'll let you go with it. And if it's better than his, then it gets in the movie.
1: Right. But also people, you know, I think forget that like, you know, his editor that he had forever, Sally Menke. You know, like, I'm pretty sure she was kind of like, Quentin, what the fuck is with this dialogue, man? I'm editing these scenes and this dialogue is just terrible. Like, you just the fuck? Were you drunk when you wrote this shit? What is this? You know, like, Sally, you never hear any stories about Sally Minky saying that, like, she's editing, you know, Quentin's movies and she's cutting the film together and, like, his scenes were just, like, really terrible dialogue. You know, that's one of the things that people know about Tarantino movies. You expect it is that it's going to have a lot of, there's going to be a lot of things dumped into the dialogue and you know, it's the idea that like, well, girls don't really talk like this and that this is terrible for women. It's like, I mean, you could play that however you want to. Like I've been around women that talk like this. There's some women that don't. It just depends. <laughs> but that's the thing. It's like all of these girls are unique and they're all different. And he has different, he has different motivations and different writing for each one of those girls. Jungle Julia does not talk like Abernathy, which is Rosaria Dawson's character. And Zoe it's a Bell,
0: fact that by the end of this movie, half of those women are dead. Right, yeah. And they talk like nothing. Right. Yeah.
1: yeah um they talk like dead. <laughs> that's that's some that's some killer analysis, Stephen. They talk like dead. <laughs> Prove me it's wrong. The, yeah, it's like... Uh, Prove so, me wrong. So do the, you think... The dead women... Do you, do you think it would have been interesting if like, the girls from the first part of the movie would have been reanimated in a planet terror situation? Like they they came back to life as zombies to go kill Mike? I think... Would that have been? That fucking... would have been the fucking worst shit ever. Right. <laughs> I I think that... Uh, <laughs> You're like, I don't think I can imagine a worse movie... Than them coming back to life. That would've been uh, That would have been fucking awful. <laughs> <laughs> you guys can't see it because this is a podcast, but the, the abject horror behind his eyes was just like I don't think I can imagine a worse hell. Yeah, that would have been um that would have been like, you know, you, you fucking, like, you die, and then you get to heaven, and it's like, oh, cool, I get to go to heaven, this is awesome, and it's like, you do, but you get to go to the furry section, it's like, oh, fuck, I don't even have a fursona, I don't even know what I'm gonna be, I might be a fox, I don't know.
0: <laughs> you have to choose at that point, I don't what's right. so bad about that, go to the furry section. <laughs> I'm just fucking with furries. I, I, people are gonna be like, no John hates furries. No, I, 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 I don't hate a, furries. I'm not on the side of John here. I'm, no, I'm, no, I'm not, not okay saying that furries. I hate furries. Furries are very sweet people. They're <laughs> cool and kind. I'm not on, he, the, He's a hateful. He has a shirt that says, "I hate furries." On right. I, now. I do I'm
1: not. I am wearing a Jordan shirt because Jordan <laughs> brand the goat. uh <laughs> Could you imagine if they made shirts like that? that just says I hate, I hate, hate furries.
0: Is like what they're like the most kind people. It's ever. like they're not.
1: They're, I'm not shitting on furries. I mean, they're weirdos. They're weirdos. Sure. It's like the it's like the dudes who get into My Little Pony. The bronies. Bronies. Yeah, yeah but they're not violent. They're not. They're not it, violent. It, it, they're just a bunch of dudes that like a fucking a like. People cartoon. like oh,
0: fuck bronies. It's like dude, calm down. I mean, it's they not just like. like
1: I mean, they just like
0: they just like uh, uh, My Little Pony or whatever. It's like, okay, that, that might be a little weird, but who cares?
1: It's not like you know, it'd be one thing if you're like, oh yeah, you know, the bronies, like uh, they they're really into like My Little Pony and they they get like super into the episodes. It's like eh, that's weird, but okay. I mean, that's their thing. It's like, yeah, but they also like to meet and diddle kids. It's like, oh fuck, no, that is not cool. Okay, yeah, that's well, that's yeah, terrible. That's
0: that's, uh, yeah, that, but yeah, you never hear that. You never about.
1: hear about of- shit like that. You never hear about like, like furries, furries murdering Fur- people. Furries,
0: or... the only thing you ever hear about furries is how much kindness they have. Like they like to like go to the furry conventions and like hug each other. Right. right? It's not like ah, fuck all these furries. they like they like to be nice to each other.
1: <laughs> Fuck these people. We don't like all this niceness. America was not built on that. America it's was like, built on hatred.
0: It's like you hear about that stuff and then you have like these uh, like reporters and stuff. They go to those conventions and they're like, okay, what are these furries playing? And it's like, oh no, they're just like the sweetest people ever. They just right. like to dress in costume. We just,
1: saw, we just saw a guy that was dressed as a giant squirrel that was playing a, an acoustic guitar and was talking about saving the world. There's really nothing scandalous yeah. here. These are just genuinely good people. There's really nothing. To I don't see know what here, you want so. me to report on. It's like, but aren't they doing like weird sex cult shit or like you know? Are they it's like, like sacrificing? It is kids? true
0: that some of these people might have sex after the convention, but that has uh, that is unrelated to what they're doing right. at the convention so oh so you're not saying they're dressing as costumes and just having sex in the open it's like literally no one does that right <laughs> like,
1: furry conventions don't work that way i don't know what you guys are thinking that you're gonna have it yeah. dressed up as a big furry as a big yeah. furry turtle that's never happened. fucking a girl who looks like a fox it's like you know it's not it's
0: never happened it's literally just... not even in japan right that's not even happened in japan and if some crazy <laughs> shit's
1: gonna happen, Japan's gonna figure out a way to make that shit yeah. happen. So I mean, these these motherfuckers literally voted for uh, green onion flavored checks to, to, for the, for the lulls, for the memes, and the hey, troll look, people. Look,
0: no judgment. Not to say anything until I try it, which I will never try it. So I'm not gonna say anything. If you
1: guys have a box of green onion checks from Japan, send them shits to us. Or, like, contact us and we'll, we'll, we'll like, set up a P.O. box or something so you can drop this shit off. Sure. And if, 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 if you guys you send that to shit to we'll Steve, we'll try it on the podcast. We will try them shits and we will record it. We don't have anything to film with video-wise. Maybe the webcam on my computer. I don't know. But we will we will try we have, them shits on air. We do have air. phones. We do have, we phones. Do have phones. I, I forgot we had that technology, but because <laughs> uh, you know, all the YouTubers just for fucking recording on iPhones and shit now and Pixels and whatnot, Samsung Galaxy. But uh, no but one, no one, no, no nobody one, one. films on a Samsung Galaxy. Yay, no, 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 yeah, is no, 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 no. Right. <laughs> So Samsung like Galaxy. Somebody in Samsung's like motherfucker. <laughs> Those fucking Beyond the Head guys just totally trashed our phones. <laughs> no. It's like, look, you guys know that Bixby is shit. The Bixby <laughs> button is fucking terrible. Use Google Assistant like regular real Americans. <laughs> like, Bixby is terrible. We know this. Uh... <laughs>
0: No one
1: records on Samsung. Yeah, it's like, this video was recorded on Samsung Galaxy. It's like, well, they're not recording. Psych. Like, Psyche! I'm not, yeah. It was
0: on the iPhone this whole time. Right.
1: Uh. It's like, okay, guys, I'm, I'm recording this on my iPhone 8, <laughs> uh, which is still better than a modern-day <laughs> Galaxy. I have an iPhone 3G, and it has a better camera than a Galaxy. You know, Samsung is like, Motherfucker! And it's like, you're bad, but it's also true. <laughs> Where do you get your cameras
0: from? Right. Also, good shout out for this movie. Uh, Nokia. Nokia is prominent in this death League movie. Oh,
1: yeah. When uh, Jungle Julia sent out the text message yeah. to her dude. Yeah. Um, you remember
0: when you had to text and then had to scroll down to the name that you are texting to? Right. And then click on that. And yep. it then it's in
1: yep oh man old tech alert right here oh definitely yeah i had uh, i had i think it was a nokia but it was the old style text where you had to click on the certain one a few certain number of times to get to the letter and then go to the next one hit it a certain number of times and get to the next letter god texting back in the day for you youngins that have not been around long enough to know... Because you guys just have, like, a, a whole touchscreen thing that pops up now. Don't and say you do, do, don't do, 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 do.
0: youngins, though. It makes me feel like you're about to kill an entire Jedi Academy. <laughs>
1: Those are younglings, not youngins. Yeah, but it's so similar. It's But it's not. So, no, how, back how in the is day... No,
0: not? Youngins and younglings, not because, similar.
1: I mean... See, the... the, the fuck you okay (laughs) i know what i'm talking about back in the day you young people uh don't know the horrors of having to text something out quickly to respond to somebody and then having to spend five minutes figuring out how the fuck to text it because you've got to hit the three button like seven times to get to the fucking thing you're trying to say that's terrible now you guys just have a touch screen. You can just grab your touch screen. Tap, 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 tap. And you can fucking hate people on the internet and you post ridiculous shit to Twitter. Of
0: bitches. Yeah.
1: You can just immediately troll and send hate anywhere. Back in the day, if you wanted to fuck with somebody, you had to invest time into texting them some hateful shit. And Twitter didn't exist back then. And uh, neither did like and Facebook. it shouldn't exist
0: now, but it right. does.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> At what point, like, if you would have told me, and now we're on a rant, we're not really on death proof anymore. We'll wrap it up here in a can second. Can we
0: take a car straight into Twitter?
1: Or can we just can we stunt man bike Twitter? Would, would we be the good guys. If
0: we make a death proof digital vehicle and just drive it straight into Twitter.
1: Anonymous, the hacker group. If you guys are listening, if one of you happens <laughs> to be listening to this, and you're like, look, we're going to fucking build the most comprehensive. <laughs> hacking organization of all time to fuck up Twitter.
0: Uh, just add some at beyond the hate.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Be like, <laughs> so like you just fucking like the only thing on Twitter that shows up is just fucking Kermit memes. Like yeah. the only thing that ever shows on Twitter is fucking Kermit memes. And it'll just be like, it'll just be Kermit sipping the tea with beyond the hate.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, do that. You know, Beyond the Hate podcast with Kermit memes. If anonymous, if this shit actually happens, you will not get any financial compensation, but you will get kudos because we're broke as fuck. Now, if you could hack some shit and send us some money, not saying you should do that, but if it happens to show up in our bank accounts, we're not going to say anything. You guys are cool Uh, because you guys also anonymous fucks up a lot of organizations. I think they even, I think they even like didn't they hack like Kenneth Copeland? I heard something like they, they they think they hacked Kenneth Copeland's church. And they're like, we have documents showing uh, corruption inside of his church. Now I don't know if that's real. I don't know if it was anonymous. I want to say it was anonymous because that sounds like some shit that they do. Because I know they hacked the, the, the Church of Scientology before.
0: I want to say they even hacked uh, uh, Hitler's ass.
1: <laughs> okay, the internet did not exist back then. No, I want to say they
0: Ang Lee fucked Hitler just out of the blue. <laughs>
1: that they that they how did they fucking? You just say Ang Lee fucked Hitler? Sure, that,
0: <laughs> that sounds that sounds even better. Ang Lee fucked Hitler. That that is a good movie. Ang Lee you know, making a in. Hulk
1: movie, fucking Hitler. You know, it's the same thing.
0: Yeah, it's the same thing, and you know who could play Hitler? Edward Norton Edward Norton He could be an excellent Hitler He'd be an awesome Hitler He's very hateable Yeah you know (laughs) how You know how white people Love racist people In movies So he'd probably Yeah American History X Yeah Yeah uh, Norton would probably Win an Oscar If he played a racist Piece of shit Again
1: Again (laughs) (laughs) Oh god (laughs) Well, I guess that's a good note to end on, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's, what did you guys learn in this episode? We learned that Ang Lee apparently butt fucked Hitler. <laughs> yeah, Ang <Ailey>, Lee <laughs> allegedly. Funder, we don't want to get but sued. But also
0: historical fact.
1: Uh, <laughs> I'm trying not
0: to spit barrel over my computer, Stephen. But this has been Beyond the Hate. You guys have any likes, suggestions, donations, anything like that? Yeah, you, can, uh, you,
1: know, you can listen to us on um, on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, fucking Spotify, all of them, all of those.
0: All of them things. All of them shits. We've been drinking uh, a little
1: bit, so uh, the English language is failing us right now. As it always does. As our education system has <laughs> failed us uh, as a nation. Yeah, but hate <laughs> uh,
0: at yahoo.com if you guys have anything to say. Suggestions.
1: And... Uh, if you guys have ideas of like, hey, why don't you guys cover this particular movie? Or, you know, uh, even if you have music ones. One of the ones we got, uh, you know, we had a donation and the guy was like, hey, uh, why don't you guys cover Metallica? So we did. That was an episode we did. So if you want to donate, uh, if you want to you know, give to the show monthly, you can do that as well. Uh, I forgot exactly what the link is, but the link will be somewhere on the page because I do them shits when I edit these. You'll see it. So. It'll say it, them shits donate. <laughs> yeah, if you see the donate shits button, uh, donate. Do and... that on
0: them shits. And, and it, we will take
1: furry porn. I was talking some bullshit about furries, but if no, you find won't. some sexy we Fox will, porn. We will not. We will not. <laughs> that. I want to see Fox McCloud from fucking Star Fox in a porn with Slippy. That's my shit. <laughs> we'll take that one, but nothing else. <laughs> nothing nothing else. else. No Falco. Nothing Falco else. is out of it. No Falco. It's got to be Fox <laughs> fucking Slippy the, the frog. <laughs> uh, and, and not the old man, because that's just gross. It's no. got to be Fox It's got to be Slippy. age appropriate. It's got to be age appropriate. I don't know how old Slippy no is, No but...
0: oldies are super youngies. <laughs> yeah, no oldies are <laughs> <and> super youngies. <laughs> oh, okay, i am ending in this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Somebody listening to this is going to be like, Slippy the Frog, really? What they even This is Slippy the Frog like a kid. It's like, we don't know... I don't know, I feel like everything in the anime thing could be a kid It's like it's so weird. It's like when you watch Japanese like anime and you're like, I'm assuming that every girl in this is underage. But and then you find out from the creators they're like 20. Right, and it's like, why would you make them look like they're 12?
0: It feels like it feels like this entire episode through high school is like, no, this is college. Like, this is not how college works. Right. What are you talking about? It's like, no, this is this is a college episode. It's like, no, it's no, it's not. Yes. No, it's not.
1: That's it's some pretty bullshit. Yeah. I just wanted to perp on some young looking yeah, school Yeah, girls. It was
0: a creepy old Japanese man. Yeah.
1: God. There's a lot of money in it.
0: Yeah. There it is. It was like, look at these little stroker outfits. It was yeah. like, ah, so creepy. <laughs> so creepy, man. Aren't you 60?
1: Yeah. So what we're saying is you should hang up the chick habit.
0: Yeah.